Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here and Manscaped are helping to bring the pod to you again this week, aren't they boys? Yes, they are Andy Rowe and Goody. I've been using mine and lads, you know it, I've said it before, it's an absolute game changer. Uh, there's no nicking when you're trimming the old bush, get it? Actually, as you can see, I'm on holiday. I had a little trim up before I came for the missus, didn't I? Oh, let's have she, a look. She hasn't, well, that's not, for, that's not for this video, but yeah, Manscaped, unbelievable, smoothest shave and the smoothest feeling testicles you will ever feel. And do you know what the most positive thing and ball warming thing about the whole thing is? 90 minutes. Last for 90 minutes. <laughs> Who needs to shave for 90 minutes? You've let yourself properly go, haven't you, Jim? Well, that's how long the battery lasts for, mate, so you may as well utilise it, and that's the excuse to the wife. Well, they've just launched in the UK, so check them out if you haven't done already. They're the very best in men's below-the-waist grooming, so you couldn't get a better fit for us, really. And they're offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Just head to manscaped.com, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUGBYPOD. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code RUGBYPOD. Your bulls will thank you. How you been anyway, boys? Where are you, where are you Goody? I'm in Cyprus. I'm on holiday. Last country standing. Last country standing. <laughs> well, it literally is. The, the miss and I, it started to get a bit colder in England. So back end of last week, it was like raining and about 12 degrees. And I said to the missus, I said, do you fancy going on holiday again? She's like, too right. So I had a look around and Cyprus was the only place you don't have to self-isolate when you get back for two weeks and it just happens to be 33 degrees so we're out here on the beach loving life the kids are in the pool um, life is good yeah it's been uh, it's been a really good nice weekend so far and start to the week how's your week jim cold <laughs> Matt, i'm in the garage slash studio again as you can probably see um what are you 32 i'd say i'm borderline in six degrees uh same old same old, mate. I just, you know what? I, now now they've been trimmed and now Manscaped has come on. I might have the bollocks, get it? The balls to go somewhere on holiday. But, mate, it changes every day. So I don't know where you can go. I just keep my head down. Just keep my head down. Stay in the garage. Moan the life out of everything in here to... Mate, I'm seeing things. Mate, I, I'm in this garage. I'm seeing people now. I, I think I'm hallucinating. But, mate, same old. Well, we're seeing a bit of a contrast at the moment. Jim, you're wearing a budgie smuggler's hoodie. Goody, are you wearing your budgie smugglers uh, out in Cyprus by the pool? Of course I am. I've just got Jim's face on my arse. Remember the ones that we had custom made? They're sold out now. They're sold out, apparently. Or they did sell out. I kept my triple XLs and I've, I've squeezed into them. And the twins are like, no, daddy, daddy, put some shorts on. But no, the missus wants me to wear the budgie smugglers. So they are on by the pool and I'm fitting in with all the Germans. Mate, that means I'm getting a bit of profile out there as well. Is it, is it weird having my head... Slap to your ass day in, day out. It's a lovely feeling, Jim, having your cheeks caress my ass. Thank you. I get it. Cheek on cheek. It makes a rugby terminology as well when they tackle cheek to cheek. Didn't know Budgie Smuggler did hoodies. You've got a nice Budgie Smuggler hoodie on. Mate, I didn't even realise. Mate, yeah, yeah, yes, I did. Yes, I have. There it is. The Budgie Smuggler hoodie. I was down at Dursley Rugby Football Club with Jimmy from Budgie, uh, handing out a £5,000 cheque for a fit out through a competition that we did with Rugby Pass during lockdown, if you can say lockdown still. And yeah, presented them the cheque, picked up a hoodie on the way up, and I look cool as shit. So it's interesting, Jim, isn't it? Because we spoke a bit last week again. And you get, rewind a week, you go back to our podcast. Rewinding. You had a proper moan about the 12 hours in a car driving from Edinburgh down to 
Park. I think it's called Park. It's not called Allianz Park. It's just called Park. And then back up to Edinburgh. And then, lo and behold, a couple of days later, you're driving down from Edinburgh again. In the Range Rover this time, though. Oh, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. Heated seat on, Matt. Heated seat on. Got the surround sound with the Bose sound system on. A significantly different experience this time. And again, two days without the kids. I made a, made, made a trip of it. I went down there, stayed at So Farmhouse, made a weekend of it. And then, talking of weekends, it's back, mate. Pro 14, hashtag always, but they're not hashtag always anymore. Mate, you ain't I'm, a fan of them now, are you? Nah, mate, nah. I'm more of a Bristol's myself. But, <laughs> um, mate, yeah, I was commentating again at the weekend. It was great to be back on Premier Sports. Andy Rowe, Goody, producer Tim. I know you saw me. I know you did. Uh, I saw something on social media. Of course, that's where you put your good life, don't you? And me commentating and being on the big screen is my good life. So, mate, yeah, I've, I've moaned earlier in the show about being stuck in the garage and seeing people and eyes and hello and going out my mind but no I've, i was down south at dursley and then i was commentating at the weekend mate <laughs> hell of a week if you want to get your hands on one of these hoodies that jim is wearing or a shirt or jumper they are available at budgiesmugglerukcom and use the code pod 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 you'll get free shipping sale what has happened there boys Mate, ask Dimes, mate. Well, he did get asked, and it was deny, deny, reaccuse. <laughs> He's been listening to you, hasn't he, Jim? Goody, before you get going on this, no one's shown any concern for the lads who've gone down with it. Mate, I'm just, all I'm, th- forget the rugby, I'm thinking, what are their symptoms? Are they ill? Are they on oxygen? Are they, are they all right? How serious is this for young professional athletes? No one's asking. Everyone's just saying, mate, there's no rugby. Which I get as well, but mate, it's just it's just my character, mate. I just I just care for people, <laughs> and I also want to see how serious the situation we find ourselves in really is across the board. But I, it went from sixteen to nineteen. What I'm hearing now, yeah, it's sixteen. From what I hear, it's sixteen players and then three members of staff, and it's you know it's been a bit. Let's be honest, it's been it's been a complete shit show for me. And you're right, Jim. No, no one's really said about the sixteen players. Are they actually okay? What sort of level of COVID have they got? Are they any in hospital? Any news that we know? Nothing. It's all about, oh, just cancel the game or why has it been postponed? You know, it's the last round of the premiership. And then you dig into the facts of it and understand what's happened. And it is, you know, it's pretty interesting, some of the stuff coming out. And it all goes back to, we spoke about on the pod a couple of weeks ago, Sale won the premiership rugby cup. And then you've got Pat Lamb coming in saying how they got 19 positive tests. They must be doing something wrong. People accuse... Some of the players have gone out on the smash um, in Manchester. You know, Steve Diamond's denied it. There's loads of different factors that are going on. And then Phil Winstanley, who's the Premiership Rugby Director. From Manchester. Sorry, I just... I well, just it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter where he is. <laughs> people have said, you know, he used to play for sale. People have said that. But I don't... Listen, I, I don't think he has made decisions because he used to play for sale. But there's a load of ambiguity around why the game wasn't forfeited like the Gloucester Northampton game was because Northampton couldn't put a team out and understandably as it's the last round of premiership fixtures with so much at stake you can see them trying to find a solution but I don't think that solution sits particularly well across the game of rugby with you know people talking about keeping the integrity of the competition to allow everyone to qualify for the top four well has the integrity of the competition been tarnished by the fact that some people are claiming that Sale should have just forfeited the game. Steve Diamond said he could have put a fit team out of 23. Um, I'm not sure how you can do that with the test and trace system. The RFU are investigating everything around, did they go on a night out? Well, the facts that I've been told 
are there was a bit of a tear up at the training ground after they've won the Premiership Cup final. So they've gone back to their training ground. They've had a few beers. Other people around the game are saying that there's. Well, that's hardly of, a tear up, is it, mate? If well, a few beers or tear up, mate. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? So, in reality, if you're in there, if you're in your own bubble, you win a competition. If that was me, I'd be wanting to have a few beers together as a group, either at the ground or at the training ground. With the world we're living in now, you can't be going out on the smash into Manchester. I think the bars were closed anyway. But I think the question comes when you've gone back to the training ground and you've had a load of beers. Steve Diamond's denied that the boys went out into Manchester. He's been pretty clever with his words because actually he hasn't denied the fact that they went to the training ground and had a load of beers. But that's fine. But, I, don't, I don't see what yeah. the problem is with that. And Premiership Rugby actually told... Harlequins and Sale, whatever happens at that final, please be responsible at the final whistle after the game with your actions. Now, drinking at your own training ground in that bubble, not a problem at all. You celebrated, you won a cup. I don't have an issue with that. I'd expect teams to do that. I think what has become apparent is somehow there's been a, a false negative test, which has become a positive. Next thing you know, there's 19 people at the club, which I believe is 16 players and three staff that have tested positive for covid steve diamond's still saying he can put a team out how do you self-isolate those people but still put a team out if they've been in contact because they've been training together then you know these are things that we're just talking about now and, and dissecting with jim's open cloth as to what has happened what could it, but we don't have all the facts around what is the test and trace system look like what are the protocols that all the clubs have agreed to Steve Diamond has openly gone on to BT Sport yesterday and said that they adhered to every protocol. And he's basically stated the reason the game didn't get forfeited because they could have put a match day 23 out, which would have been probably a load of the academy kids. And there's a lot of ambiguity around that. They didn't announce a team. People are then saying, our oh, Premiership Rugby are bending over backwards. It's one rule for one, one rule for another, because obviously Northampton forfeited the game. Northampton come out and, and say whatever Phil Winstanley said on BT Sport last night was false because they wanted to register other players and, and Premiership Rugby via the RFU said, no, you couldn't. Phil Winstanley said that wasn't the case. So either way, there's cock-ups galore going on, isn't there? <laughs> you know, there's, there's cross-paths, there's cross-referencing of different things. You know, Steve Diamond saying they didn't go out on the piss. People are saying they did. Um, how have they got 19 positive cases? You've got Pat Lamb joining the conversation saying there's something seriously gone wrong there. Why has that happened? The RFU are now investigating it. And the bottom line is, no one, like Jim said, no one's asked if those players were all right. <laughs> you know, and that's ultimately the main thing. And now Alan Solomons, the Worcester coach, has come out and said, actually, do I want to put my club in a position where you know, we go and play against Sale? How do we know how many people have, have had it, got it, without the testing process coming forward, which they will get to. But then is it still a risk that you can all of a sudden go from one positive test on a Friday to 19 positive tests a few days later? Can you imagine if Worcester pull out of the game and Sale win 20 nil? <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? But Alan Solomons has got a responsibility for the health and safety of his players. And the sensible thing, and it's it's, you know, the sensible thing for Premiership Rugby to have done would have just said, listen, we're, you're going to have to forfeit the game because you've got so many positive test cases. And I don't think Sale would have been that bothered. I think obviously, they would. I think, I, I think they would. Yeah, obviously, I, well, they would have been bothered. But what can you say? You'd be like, of course. So if they turn around, if they turn around and say, you've got to forfeit the game, and the reasons are is because you've got in your squad and, and 19, it could be more now because it seems to spread like wildfire. You can't play the game. No one... Apart from apart from Sale, would be thinking this is a travesty. Everyone would be like, "Well, of course." 
Because even if you play it on Wednesday, there's still risk. And again, I'm not a doctor, albeit I probably should have been. You'd be worried. If you're Worcester, like you've just said then, I'd be worried as yeah, a player. 100%. So, so, you know, this is why. So Sale don't have a leg to stand on in that sense, do they? They, they, they don't. Especially in the, in the, I'm going to say, I've not said it for a while. I've got everyone looking at me in the garage. Unprecedented times. So they, they, what are they going to do? But you, you do sit there and you, and, you, and you look at the reasons we're in this mess now. And the mess is, obviously, because Sale are desperate to get this game played because they know there's an opportunity to win the title, which I get. As a club, we had Simon Orange on here, great bloke. He desperately want them to win the title. So their PR team, and I wrote a column about it for Rugby Pass, strong-armed, I believe, Premiership Rugby into saying, actually, we can put a team out so the game is going ahead. And they put a statement out saying the game is going ahead as planned. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's cancelled. And then they put another statement out, say I'll do, blaming Worcester, saying, well, Worcester didn't feel comfortable. No shit, they wouldn't feel comfortable. You've had 19 cases. So, for me, I think what Premiership Rugby should have done, you know, you've got Darren Charles as CEO, you've got Phil Winstanley, who went on BT Sport, come out and said, as Jim has, has alluded to, these are unprecedented times. The regulations state that if you've got a number of positive cases and... Um, you know, there's a risk factor. You have to forfeit the game. And you feel for Northampton because they've been pushed into a corner. They had two fit front rowers where you need six. The RFU said they couldn't then uh, register any more players, so they had to forfeit the game. And that was all to do with the test and trace system by coming into close contact with all those sale players that have tested positive for COVID post that Northampton game. Like the thing is for me, Goody, from Northampton, and they put out that statement um, about saying that Phil Winston, Winston Noel, Liam, Winston Neil, Neil, Liam Gallagher, man, I'm trying to think of loads of Northern Manchester Steve famous Diamond. people. Dimes. Uh, he, he's obviously made fair play to him. He's put himself out there, but also he should do. That's his job, right? And we've not yeah. heard of Darren Charles and arguably it's a little bit late in the day. Northampton, like you mentioned, have come out there and said, well, actually, no. We've got our own kind of story on this. You know, we offered to register some some players, albeit from the championship or wherever, because we're thin on the ground in the front row, and we don't know the, the the kind of the spider web that these positive cases have caused in terms of track and trace. It's like the Da Vinci Code. We've seen that bloody in everyday life, and we've, if you watch the news. But from Northampton's perspective, there's I feel awful saying it, but mate, there's nothing there's nothing on the matches there. Do you know, it's almost like a dead rubber. Yeah, but it depends. There is, you know, a club never wants to finish that way. Secondly, there's there was still a chance that I think it's something along the lines of if Worcester beat Sale ninety two nil, then Northampton don't make the Champions <laughs> Cup. So exactly. you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Well, mate, you um, never know. Hey, if Sale put out the fifth team and Sam Tui slow, who's forty eight, is who's been crashing the ball up for Covel wherever he's been, and apparently slower than the week in the Jellies play, mate. They could, no, Matt, even I'm going to say 92-0 might have been hard. But then the other the other fact on it is if Northampton beat Gloucester and they were, if they were allowed to play the game and they beat Gloucester, then Worcester could have gone to sale and won and got a bonus point and qualified for Europe themselves. So there's all sorts of different permutations. And I think it boils down to a lot of people saying there's one rule for one and there's one rule for another. And then there's the misunderstanding between what Phil Winstanley said that they could have registered more players Northampton asked that question and they, they were clear in their statement. We asked the question. It's actually the RFU that said no and Premiership Rugby are the kind of conduit between the clubs and the RFU because the RFU do all the registration, right? And they hold all the players' registration. So it's the RFU that said you couldn't register 
any players. And in reality, where are Northampton going to find four props or four front row players on a Friday before a Sunday game? Logistics aren't going to work. And even if you postpone the game to Wednesday, logistically, I can't see you being able to get four front rowers in that are ready to play principle. in a premiership match. Principle, but it is the principle. Andrew. You're right, it is the principle. Um, and it all boils down to Sale putting out the PR statement they made on Friday saying, we've got 23 fit players, we can play the game, it will go ahead. And then Premiership Rugby actually trying to think, geez, you know, there's a, a legal case here. If we say no, you're just going to cancel the game. And imagine being Bruce Craig right now. You know, Bath have ended up drawing against Saracens. So all sale now know they need to do is beat Worcester 3-0 and they qualify. Imagine Bruce Craig speaking to his lawyers now, if he wants to, you know, and go down that route. That is something that genuinely could happen if Bath don't make the top four. The integrity of the competition, has it been tarnished because we've now postponed a game to Wednesday, which initially they said they wouldn't do. And ultimately what Steve Diamond said is it was Public Health England that have said you can't play the game on Sunday. So that's why it's been postponed. Well, for me, Premiership Rugby probably should have just come in and said, you've got 19 cases, this is crazy, um, to even think we're going to get the game on Wednesday. So as Public Health England have said, you can't play the game on Sunday, you have to forfeit it. And and that's just part and parcel of being in this pandemic. So That's absolutely what should have happened. And I, and I think that's what's going to happen. We may be talking about something that doesn't happen anyway. They may get all the testing. I can't see how 19 players can then all of a sudden test negative by Tuesday when they're going to do the testing um, to then play the game on Wednesday and all those other players don't have to isolate. I just can't see how it can happen. Um, and, you know, they may cancel the game anyway. You mentioned Bath. They threw away a pretty big lead, didn't they? Against Saris? Against Saris or against Maro Otoji? Which one? He was phenomenal, eh? Mate, he was he was a one-man band, really. Uh, we won't talk about Swinson scoring the try. I mean, mate, he was, he let's was talk so, about that. Nah, he was so lucky, <laughs> let's mate. Let's talk about Swino. Genuinely. What a signing. Mate. The best Scottish second row to ever play for Saracens. Not Scott Murray, not Jim Hamilton. Old Swino. He's dying to stay on the floor. He's dying to just lie on the floor. I, I don't know. Let's just say it was Marrow and Billy. Mate, Marrow and Billy are carrying him <laughs> over that line with desperation. And it was like they won the game. But no, Bath blew it, didn't they? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a difficult one because you don't know how to look at that game. And we spoke about Saris last week and the week before and the week before. And we've drawn a line. Well, I certainly have of that chapter. But there was a lot of emotion going into that game for Saracens. Obviously, Wigglesworth played his 250th game and his final game for Saracens. I think he wants to carry on. Brad Barrett leaving, obviously not been able to play, picked up a concussion in the game against Racing. Now, they mentioned it on comms, actually, and it was quite an interesting statement that they made about the emotion and the build-up to that game. Like, I've been in the change room before and other teams before when players are leaving and all that kind of added emotion that takes over the week. Mate, Saracens didn't start well at all. Bath, to be fair to Bath, and we said it before, and again, only watching them again, it was the beginning of the restart of the season, they played two or three games and their forwards looked good. My goodness me, are they physical. Mate, Billy was getting absolutely smoked. He had zero interest. I don't know if you saw, uh, he's taking the ball in the backfield. He is running at 100 miles an hour, heads straight for his uncle, his cousin, his brother, Falatau, and Falatau puts him into next week, mate. <laughs> um, genuinely, the, hit, mate, the physicality, the physicality of, of Bath, I think, fair, fair play, but mate, they blew it. Yeah, it's a difficult one because, you know, they're now sat there kind of hoping probably that the sale game doesn't go ahead so if it stays how it is goody and sale 
don't play the game and Bath qualify in fourth place, they play Exeter. Mate, yeah. I tell you now, the way that Bath play, I know they drew at Saracens and they threw it away. The physicality they've got up front and with Priestland at 10, I'm telling you now there's a chance. I don't, I don't, I'm putting myself out there. I am. I'm meant to be the expert. I'm not. But I don't know. I, I think there's something in that team, in that Bath team. I really do. It's interesting that, you know, if that is the semi-final, you could see, you can make a case that Bath could go down to, to Exeter and win it because of that physicality and what they showed. You know, you could look at the Wasps-Bristol game if it ends that way, where Bristol finished third and Wasps finished second, which will happen because the mighty Wasps have got a home semi-final. Can't believe Can't, it. You know, two very exciting games, but it's it's all Exeter's to lose now, isn't it? Goody, do you want to talk any more about Wasps' big victory over Exeter? I mean, just nah, tell Fekitoa. Mate, we just, said- just <laughs> Let's just talk about Fekitoa's tackle me, old Willie. What a hit. And Jim... Jim's a massive fan now, aren't you as well, Jim? You put it on Twitter. Well, well mate, um, I was a, a bit. I, mate, I was the biggest fan when I saw that selfie. But <laughs> I'm ta- I tell you what, mate, I eat my microphone because I couldn't see it. Could not see it. I don't know what has happened to that team, Watson. We don't want to. We don't want to touch too much about it. This is. Let me speak, and then you can speak about your beloved wasps. Fair play is all I'm going to say. With Lee Blackett now taking the reins with Die Young, feel a bit for Die Young. Because obviously his legacy, well, no, I don't feel sorry for him. He had a great run at it. Obviously, he freshening up. But after the break, my goodness me, and we spoke about it before. We're going to talk him up again. He scored. He got man of the match yesterday. Jimmy Gopeth, the difference he makes to that team. 43 years of age as well, Jimmy is. Mate, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. And then yeah. you, you ally that with bloody selfie Fekatoa. Oh, my tackle. Because when he rocked up, I was watching some of the games and for whatever reason, it took him a while to settle in, right? It did. And it does in Coventry, right? Moving to Cov. Well, it does, mate. It does. Mate, it's not, you know, it's the water, mate. You're drinking water from the canal, mate. You don't know what you're having. What I can tell you, mate. You're eating tampons and sanitary towels. That's what you're eating. <laughs> um, fair play is all I'm going to say. Well, it's, it's interesting because I've been sort of talking about this for quite some time now, Jim. It's not I'm that like, interested. It's only interesting well, to I'm you. Just, I'm just saying that we'll get into the top four. And you're like, no, nah, I can't see it. can't see it. Can I just give you a stat, Jim? Wasps have won 11 out of their last 12 premiership games. And every week you're like, nah. Don't see it, mate. Don't see it. Don't see it. They do. I mean, I think they do have a thank you for, um, you know, I was watching the the Quinns game and Mike Brown obviously gets his kick charge down on the Monday night or Tuesday night or whatever night. Uh, God, knows, God knows what day it is now. But, um, you know, Jack Willis charges Mike Brown's kick down, which gets them a, the victory and the bonus point down there. And they've lived on that edge in some games, haven't they? Where they've, you know, you go back to the Bath game a few weeks back in the Premiership and it was uncontested scrums. They scraped through that, got that victory. How Bath didn't win that game, we'll never know. But it just shows the, the desire within the squad, the attitude and what Lee Blackett's instilled in them. He's just having fun, enjoying it. And, you know, I speak to some of the lads, of course I do. Yeah, it's a, it, They've not changed too much rugby-wise in terms of how they play since Lee Blackett took over from Die, but there's just a different energy. And that's nothing against Dye. It's just a new guy comes in. In terms of Lee Blackett being promoted, they've changed some of their S&C staff uh, as well. And it just brings out a, a, you know, a new vibe and everyone's pushing each other harder. And, you know, home semi-final. Jim, you said we've got no chance. I remember you laughed at me at the start of the year when I said, what's the getting the top four? And we finished second. Mate, if Saris weren't relegated, though, it would have been different. Well, no. If so, I know, I know. You're going to do the maths. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there, mate. I'm just saying it. Of yeah. course. Can we talk about how bad Leicester are or not? Well, I think it's two teams that will be glad the season's finished, really. Quinn's haven't performed very well since lockdown ended and rugby came back. And, you know, if they haven't performed very well, um, I dread to think what people think of Leicester's performances. So they'll be glad the season's over. You know, Steve Borthwick's had a look at a load of players. 
Um, you know, losing at home again to Quinns. Isn't it mad, Goody, that if Saris didn't get 105 points deducted, that Leicester would be relegated? Yeah, madness. And I know, and I know that it's obviously crazy that Saracens have got relegated. But let's make Leicester are the biggest team in the English Premiership in terms of fans, in terms of TV views, in terms of merchandise, in terms of history. Can you imagine? Yeah, if they got relegated. No, it's and, tough. They would, and they would have been. They would have been relegated. Yeah, and last year, you know, they finished eleventh last year. They had to go up to Newcastle towards the back end of the season and win up there to stay in the Premiership, and they did it. And Newcastle went down. It's tough, isn't it? You know, the club is going through a massive change. Um, the one blessing in disguise for them, in reality, the fact that there's no fans, and you mentioned it then, Jim. Can you imagine the atmosphere at Welford Road? With the way they've been playing, the, the way results are. Teams are going there and winning and getting bonus points regularly. Can you imagine the Crumby Terrace? There'd be pelters left, right and centre. It wouldn't be a nice place to be at all. So, Because Leicester fans are passionate about the club and the club aren't playing well. So they've got to regroup quickly. Um, you know, I've got a feeling that they'll come back pretty strong as the season starts because it's going to be a, a weird start to next season when I don't think internationals can play for... Is it something like 11 out of the first 14 games or something? So you're going to see a weird premiership next season. And, and Leicester will hopefully look forward to parking this season as quickly as possible. Um, and will also be probably saying, can you announce ring fencing as well, please? Because we, we don't want to be in a relegation battle again. But hey, who knows? They'll be glad that the season's done and dusted. And Bristol are in the Premiership playoffs for just a second time ever and first time since 2007. And we can have a chat now with their fly half, Callum Sheedy. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. Callum, thanks for coming on. Mate, we've done it. Mate, we're in We're in the semis, aren't we? Are <laughs> we? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Mate, we saw the celebrations. Uh, were, they were going around social media when you found out, well, the coaches found out, some of the players found out, but a lot of work gone into it. I know it's weird with no crowds and stuff, but what a season and how happy are you and the boys? Yeah, it's obviously, um, it was weird yesterday. Like, obviously, we needed other results to go our way. Um the cliche was we could only do our job and all that, but obviously in the back of your mind, you're always thinking like, oh, I wonder what's going on in the bathroom or whatever. So yeah, obviously when we found out we were through uh, the semis was, we were buzzing, but again, it's a short turnaround. It's only a six day turnaround and we go again Saturday. But yeah, like you said, it's been a, a mental long season. So I'm just really chuffed that um, we can go to the semi-final and hopefully have something to play for. It's interesting, isn't it? Obviously building into that game, you knew a bonus point win would guarantee you the semi-final spot. Uh, Max Malins drops the ball in the first half as he's over the line and then you have to wait to about the 75th minute I think it was to get the bonus point try how much of a ribbon would he have got all of next year had that happened and it transpired <laughs> that you didn't get into the playoffs yeah we probably would have sent him straight back to Saris I think um, <laughs> nah. Mate, Saris would have probably got the blame for it to be fair <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no it was funny like when we got the fourth try I looked over to him and he literally was like Thank God. So, yeah, no, um, he would have taken, I'm sure he'll still take some stick. I hope it's the first thing on the review come tomorrow. I hope so. He deserves it. Mate, he does deserve it. He does deserve it. Uh, what's it like? I mean, there's a lot going on, as we know, in the background, and we, there's no point shying away from what we find ourselves in, in terms of not knowing what's going to happen with sales. So how are you going to prepare this week that, you know, the game might go ahead Wednesday, the podcast comes out on Tuesday. So firstly, like, you know, how are you going to prepare? Because you don't really know who you've got. Yeah, I guess it, it is strange. Um, we don't know whether it's going to be Exeter or Wasp, you know. So, um, yeah, it'd be pretty weird. I guess tomorrow will be more of a review of uh, the Irish game and we'll go through what we, we need to do rather than looking at who our opposition are going to be. So, um, yeah, I guess this week will just be about us. And then come Thursday, Friday, then we just, then we see who we're going to play and then we can uh, 
focus on that. And it doesn't matter to you at all, but if you were Worcester, right, and you were having to play on Wednesday, would you be happy as a player to play? It's hard for me to say until I was in that uh, position. For them, it's probably frustrating now because they've got um, not much to play for, obviously, after Gloucester got five points. So if you're a Worcester player, I guess they're probably feeling a bit, you know, cheesed off with the whole thing. But yeah, I suppose for them it would be weird, but then I guess they've got to trust that everything's been done, that they're going to be playing against guys who are coronavirus free. And that's the thing I was going to ask, actually, because Pat has made a, a comment about something must have gone seriously wrong there. How stringent have the club been at, at Bristol in you know, giving you guys advice on how to lead your lives away from the club? I know everything inside the club, you've got the new training facility, but everything is so COVID secure there that, you know, you can't really go wrong. But it's all about the behaviours outside, isn't it? Yeah, like it's... Obviously, Pat can't control what we do outside the club and no other, no other DOR can control what their players do outside the club. But yeah, Pat's always on to us. Um, he's like, just sacrifice five, six weeks of your life, especially now we're in finals and semi-finals, And we knew we were going to be near there at the business end of the, of the season. Like, it's not hard to sacrifice four or five weeks of your life. Be a social freak and just sit at your house, whatever. You know, it's not hard, really, when you think of the bigger scheme of things. Just keep in your bubble, keep with the boys, and then it's easy. Like, you... You shouldn't really catch it. But yeah, maybe it's just one unlucky thing with say, or maybe one of them's gone to the supermarket and quarter. I don't have a clue, to be honest. Um, but as Pat just says, so be sensible, make the right decisions and we should be okay. Mate, whatever Pat says, mate, we all listen. We all listen. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a little bit of this out because it's been quite a journey for yourself, but also the club. So you think about where Bristol's have been and where they are now. So in the championship, Losing a couple of uh, championship playoffs, uh, you've been relegated, promoted, uh, mate. The story of the club to kind of where it is now. You've got probably the best rugby player, rugby union player of our generation playing at your club. The new training ground, an amazing coach, the momentum's gathering, an unbelievable social media platform, which is apparently a thing with the millennials. But what what what's it like? You've been there, you know, for a while now and kind of seen all these changes unfold. Yeah, it's, it feels like a different club to be honest. Like. Um... I remember six years ago when we were, like you said, we were in the championship, we're losing playoff finals. Uh, I was there when we lost to Worcester when Ryan Lamb kicked that last minute kick and then the next year, yeah, it was just chaos. Like, And then we got went up, come back down and we didn't really know, we had no direction sort of thing. And then Pat came in obviously and basically stripped the whole club down. He came in with a vision and said he wanted to be a Champions Cup side and obviously like you look at that and we're in the championship and you're you would see like boys who think like Champions Cup, like that's so far away. But he, he put in stepping stones, what we got to do to get there. And, you know, looking back now, we've literally lived every single one of those steps he put in place. And there was boys at the time who probably laughed at that. And those are the boys who were pr- quickly shipped off elsewhere. Um, like Pat said straight away, if you don't believe in it, get off the bus. And boys left. Um, boys didn't believe. And he kept the boys who did believe. And that's why... Slowly but surely, we got rid of the boys who were at one percent of doubt, and now we've got boys hundred percent on on board, hundred percent on the bus, and we're we're living the the steps the Pat set out. Well, I'm on the bus and I'm sitting behind the bus driver. That's all I know <laughs> at the minute. <laughs> I'm loving it. What a surprise! Jim's a glory seeker, and he's <laughs> Bristol's biggest fan now, which is great because we, you know, Pat's come on the pod as well. And he was really open and honest, and brilliant to have you on. And there is a big social media gathering as well um, around what Bristol are doing and other clubs are trying to follow it how much fun do you boys have with, with that as well I mean you, you must sit there and you've got since lockdown you've saw, signed Carl Sinclair you've had Semi Randrandra come you're playing with Worldies in the back line as well Piatau's there do you look around and sometimes pinch yourself from where Bristol have come to to where you're at now yeah it's, it's absolutely crazy like I remember when we signed Semi and I didn't know he'd signed and I remember waking up on Twitter they said they had an announcement at 10am or something and I was like a fan like staring up like my iPad and then when he signed I was just like shh 
like the guy's a freak I remember like watching him in the World Cup like literally like fanboy and like, I was like his fanboy and then I was thinking I'm going to be sat in a change room next to him I still do now like when I'm playing with him training with him you know, just do something ridiculous and I'm just there like absolute freak so yeah um, I, I do have to pinch myself like Charles Pietau Semi Randrandra Luke Morahan like that backline and then that's that's not even mentioning your likes like Siali Pietau Alapati Leua Piers O'Connor Harry Randall Andy Rent like it's yeah it's absolutely unreal for me and just a question on, on playing with Semi then, because um, he gives me a Semi when I watch him, but I can't say that to you, obviously. <laughs> but at training, do you do much bone-on-bone -bone contact? Because, you know, you're watching Semi play, and we're doing it from the sidelines now or on TV, and he's bloody hard to tackle, right? Who wants to tackle that in training as well? That's what I need to know, because he's ridiculous. Yeah, we did. Um, we don't do much now in the games, but when it was like we were just coming back in our almost mini pre-season, just after the lockdown, we were doing like uh, six or seven V7s in quite small space. And obviously, like, I was following semi round. Like, I need to go on semi's team. Need to go on semi's team. And if I was not semi, I was not playing against semi. I make sure I was on a bib that wasn't playing against semi. He's almost going like thirty percent, and he's still breaking about nine tackles every minute. So, yeah, avoid semi at all costs in training. To be honest, mate, he's a phenomenon. He really is. I want to chat about Max Malins and Ben O. But before we chat about uh, them two, what semi's English like? We'd love to get him on the pod. Is he is he fluent in English? Is is he um, you know happy to to kind of get stuck in with all the banter? Yeah, hundred percent. Like him and Nate, uh, Nathan Hughes, they they have a lot of Fijian conversations when it's just them two. Um, but yeah, no, he loves it. He's he's quiet, but he cracks me up. Some of his little one-liners are hilarious. Yeah, you should get him on. Mate, we love uh, yeah, we love the Fijians, don't we, Goody? Obviously, the late Sarah Rambini, he was uh, a character as well. Yeah, I can uh, imagine there's a lot of hot between Nathan Hughes and uh, Semi Randrando. I can imagine there's a lot of high-pitched giggling going on. Nathan Hughes, honestly, he's a different breed. Like you can hear him. You're not even in the training centre. You can literally hear him. He is the loudest bloke. But you need him. Like He's a morale booster. Like As soon as you win a game, you've got the Fijian music on. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's class. Mate, they're good. Let's just chat a little bit about Ben Earl more so than Max. I don't mean that in a bad way to Max. He, we dropped the ball at the week and that's what we're going to Why are you being about horrible? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm being horrible. Mate, talk him all he knows. I was in the academy with him. But Ben Earl has been carving up right. So firstly, what's it like? How have they been received? Because I'm sure from the outside for some other clubs be like oh we don't want to touch any of the Saracens players for everything that's happened but I know them two really well they're great lads but how have they bedded in have they, have they taken any banter um, from coming over from Saracens just on loan I, I imagine you'd be desperate to keep keep them both wouldn't you probably especially Ben Earl yeah obviously they're, they're both top top boys like you just said um, and they both fitted in really well really quickly I know they both knew quite a few of the boys from like age grade stuff um, like under 20s under 18s and stuff um, but yeah like you said they're, they're both real good lads you obviously give them a bit of stick about salaries and all that but um, they're, they're top class players and they've been unreal for us um, you know Ben's a, an absolute winner like training game no matter what it is he's an absolute winner and Max is one of the most skillful players I've played with so yeah um, it's great to have them both on board um, and like you said like who knows what's going to happen in the future I remember we were giving Ben a bit of stick when uh, Sarri's beat Leinster and he was on social media saying best day ever and all this and we were saying mate you're a bear you're a bear <laughs> <laughs> But no, they're both top boys, to be fair. Good stuff. Well, you're obviously in sparkling form as well. You have been all year. Um, speaking to you now, I can clearly hear the Welsh twang. You've played for England against the Barbarians under Eddie Jones. And I believe also that you're Irish qualified as well via your parents. Let's let's just get rid of all that, the, the news that's going on in the background. Who are you playing for? Because international <laughs> rugby surely is pretty close to for you to touch it now, is it? Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's... It's weird for me to speak about because when I watch myself back, I still think there's so much of my game to work on and stuff. So to even be spoken about in an international conversation, 
is, you know, I, like I said, I got pinched myself. Um, but yeah, very proud. I'll sit on the fence and say very proud of all three. And my accent, I didn't realise is as strong as it is until I listen to myself back and I cringe like hell. So I do apologise for that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm obviously Cardiff born, Cardiff bred. My mum's side's Welsh. My dad's side's Irish. And I'm Bristolian because I've lived in Bristol for eight years now. So still working on the Bristol accent. But um, mate, yeah. Don't I'll, pick that up. Stick to Welsh, mate. Don't pick the Bristol accent up. Well, sending in between would be horrible, wouldn't it? So yeah. <laughs> <I'll fix> <laughs> but no, I'm very proud of all three. And, you know, to even be talked in a conversation about international honours is um, humbling, yeah. Very smart. I love that. Come and get me. Come and get me. Yeah. Any all three. <laughs> Mate, I was going to say if you were Scottish, you'd have two hundred caps, but we've got, Finn, <laughs> mate, we've got we've got Finn Russell, mate. So and Adam Hastings, so we're all right. Because I mean, the stuff around Wales, obviously, Anscombe's out. Um, he's been out for a long time with his knee. You know, Bigger's been brilliant for Northampton, but he's not going to go on forever. You know, this kind of happens. We saw around Lewis Rees Summit as well that you know there was talk of Wales England with him, with yourself having put on an England shirt, as it were. It doesn't matter if you want to go back. Mate, Ross Moriarty's done it as well. So we've seen he's Welshly dies play for England. But has Eddie Jones been in touch with any of the coaching staff? Are you allowed to share anything from that? Because look, ultimately, when you're in a winning team, the coaches want you, right? They, the international coaches want winners. And you're in a winning team, you're in a great team, you're leading the charge. Have any of them been in contact on the phone? We spoke to um, Eddie, obviously, after the Barbarians game last year. And, you know, he was, you know, keeping in touch and just making sure I was keeping on top of my skills and give me feedback and stuff. But yeah, like I, I spent obviously this part of the season as well with semi-finals and stuff coming up. I try not to um, get sidetracked too much because like I said earlier with Pat, like he'll, he'll know if I'm not fully 100% focused and I'm thinking about maybe I might get an international call-up, maybe I might be in this squad. Like he would literally, he would know straight away and I wouldn't be in the squad. So obviously squads are getting announced now, fingers crossed, hope for the best and see what happens. I can't really comment too much because I try not to think about it so I'm really sitting on the fence there and avoiding your question but um that's a great yeah. fence sitting that isn't it I've never heard of I've never heard a better one I don't think I love it <laughs> I can keep going if you want but that's <laughs> mate hey, when he's grabbing the jersey and he's grabbing the the, the leak or the lettuce or whatever it is on the Welsh <laughs> thing screaming and crying we'll know we'll know yeah, we will yeah <laughs> mate, when uh when Pat pulls you up on things when he you know knows that your head's not in the game like can you give us an example of when he's done that is he really giving you a stern talking to at any point how does he know that's right how does he know but no I, thankfully it's never happened to me um but it's just like so we'll have a meeting in the morning um and we're in the barn which is pretty um it's either cold or quite toasty and quite cozy so it's quite easy after lunch to almost doze off um and you know pat will be leaving his meeting and if he sees any eyes which are a bit sleepy or yawns you're out or you're getting... Apart from Semi. Apart from Semi. If he yours, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Semi's asleep in the corner. He's fine. He can go to <laughs> Mate, when you're that good. <laughs> no, so like, it's just little things like you're looking like your body language. Um, you're looking like, like, do you want to be here? Um, so it's just like, yeah, like he's, I think he's real keen on body language. It's just like in a game, if anyone's got their hands on their knees or hands on their hips, like he hates it. Like you'll be fuming. Um, when we play condition games and training, hands on knees, hands on hips, you're straight down 10 burpees. So... He's very much body language, um, so I guess that's how we'll know are you on it. And he looks at your body language a lot. Sounds sounds a very hard taskmaster, but you know he's obviously working wonders there. How good is that new training ground? Because we've seen pictures of it, we've seen the tour. Um, it must be pretty good to walk in there every day and see what the club have built. Steve Lansdowne, really impressive guy. He's putting some money into the club, isn't he? Yeah, it's honestly it's unreal. Like I I seen pictures when it was being built, and like I'm sure you guys have seen pictures, and you think, oh that's good, that's good. But like when you actually step foot in there, it's 
unbelievable it's got everything you could possibly ask for and um the way they've designed it everything gets linked like so the gym is linked straight into the barn which then got a path out to the pitch which got a path into our recovery like everything's just intertwined and linked and yeah it's unreal and we haven't even had it all of it yet obviously because of coronavirus we can't have like a team room and stuff so um there's still plenty more to come there which is yeah it's class um which means now like you said steve lansdowne chris boy pat they've all mark tainton they've all done the work so now there's no excuse for us not to deliver on the pitch. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting, but um, obviously comes with the pressures. Well, if you can pass a message on to Steve and Pat, for 150 grand, mate, I'll drive the bus. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I'm looking at my HGV at the minute. <laughs> All right, Callum, well, thank you very much for joining us, mate, and best of luck for the rest of the season, uh, especially semi-final, whoever that's going to be against, and, uh, and the premiership. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Cheers Callum. Callum. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Good man. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Top lad. Top lad. Mate, spoke, spoke very well. Mate, he's happy. He is. How can you not be happy? Yeah, how can you not be happy playing for Bristol's in, as a 10 when you got round around? If you're in any sort of trouble, semi, and just chuck it to him and he'll, he'll score or create something. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like a great club to be at the minute. We've had Pat on here. You know, you just see there's a great buzz around that place, don't you? Do you think they pay me 150 grand to drive the bus or not? Mate, I don't reckon anyone's paid you 150 grand in your life to do anything, Jim. <laughs> well, mate, on that note, mate, I've retired. I don't know how oh, I'm putting yeah. it out there. Well, the thing is, I was playing a bit of rugby, weren't I? I mentioned, and then... Has that deal gone now? Well, it got a bit uncomfortable when we were negotiating money, which it always does. Hence why you don't think I'm valued at 150 grand bus driver. I might be unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but they're not allowed to play games up here. Um, Nicola Sturgeon, a.k.a cranky um has said that there's no rugby don't get political now interesting though with with, with callum he just literally did say i'm sitting on the fence and i'm you know i'm just focusing on bristol modern rugby mate professional mate, rugby he's like come and get me whoever wants me come and get me Show he's me welsh till he dies he's yeah, welsh till he dies isn't he I, I think he is yeah the, the tough thing is the tough thing is though on that welsh thing goody is by him going to wales it doesn't close the door but you know bristol in two or three years time are they more inclined to keep him or are they yeah. more than likely trying to blood an English talent or get an, an England player? I, I don't know. And that's always the worry, isn't it? That's the worry with someone like Nick Tonkin. He's obviously gone alone to Dragons. But he signed a seven year, uh, six or seven year deal with Saracens, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> Mate, so yeah. if, you, if you're Callum Sheedy, you, you're perhaps going to Pat Lamb. I'm 100% wanting to play for Bristol. But before I get capped, can you stick a four or five year contract on the table for me that I'll sign because I want to play for Wales? And maybe those conversations are going on, Jim, behind closed doors. Mate, they, hey, well, if, hey, we'll find out if they are, Andrew. We will. Well, we mentioned Eddie Jones to Callum Sheedy just before and he's named an England squad today without players that are in teams still involved in the Premiership playoffs. What have you guys made of it? I mean, imagine Eddie Jones hasn't coached anyone for how long now? Seven, eight months? And you know how hard he trains the boys. I just feel sorry for these guys. You just got through the Premiership restart, playing about 400 games in three days. And then Eddie Jones wants a camp and there's no England game until, when is it? It's it's the day after the Premiership final, isn't it, against the Barbars? He's going to want, he ain't going to want a pound of flesh for them. He's going to want 10 pounds of flesh. And some of these kids, they'll be absolutely buzzing. Ali Crossdale, Jack Clement, Joe Hayes, you know, some of the uncapped players. It's the biggest thing to get your first selection in England squad. I remember when I first got picked, first thing I thought was how. And then I realised 12 people were injured in my position, so that's how I got picked. But then the excitement and then the reality kicks in. You're like, oh my days. Four or five days with Eddie Jones getting absolutely flogged to pieces. It's going to be a hard work, isn't it? But it does show you maybe the forward thinking. He's spoken about the future before. 
you know, Ali Crosdale is a, a really interesting one at Sarries. Really, really good player. He's a northerner. He's hard. He's had a, a few injury knocks and stuff like that. Fraser Ding one as well, Goody, in the back. Yeah, Northampton, mate, you've rated him. So maybe, look, uh, trying to put a positive spin on it. You know, Lewis Ludlow from Gloucester. He's captain Gloucester. He was a young pup when I was there as well. Called him Little Chief. He pulled me back in training once. He got the flying elbow, but... Um, and then he filled you in. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what <laughs> happened. Um, mate, you mentioned Joe Hayes. He's, he's a big lad, tight head. Mate, the two Northampton second rows, Alex Moons, uh, Alex Moon, David Ribbons. They're Ribbons both is good, eh? Ribbons mate, is good. Mate, I thought Alex Moon was, was really good last year as well. Yeah. So, But I know, I, know, I know what you're saying, mate. Like, it ain't, they, ain't go, they ain't going on holiday, mate. They ain't no. going there. And it's like, mate, we're going to be loving life, eating great food. And, you know, we can go out for a coffee and go out for a few beers on the Wednesday night. You're getting flogged. VIP style. Yeah, you're getting flogged. Well, we can get into some more rugby in a minute, but it's time for your favourite feature now, isn't it, Jim? I've said before, Andy Rowe, it's not my favourite feature. It's the Millions' favourite feature. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that, Carol. How you doing? Jim will solve it. Oh, yes, I will. Boom! Long time no see. How are you, Carol? I'm really good. It's been a busy month. Oh, my God. September. What's happened? Where have you been? I've been to North Wales. Lovely. Where I grew up. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that I am Welsh. Oh, some people have to be, unfortunately. I might have mentioned it once or twice. And uh, filming a new series for uh, BBC One called Close to Home at the moment. So I've been zip wiring on the world's fastest zip wire on zip world. And I've been harness racing. Because I used to do that when I was um, when I was small and I'd been milking cows. Oh, lovely. Handling sheep. And the things that we Welsh girls like to do. Carol, I can do all that. Get me on screen. I'm like a pro zip wire, <laughs> zip wirer. I thought you were going to say that you milk a cow well. Oh, of course Love I do. I milk something else well. Oh, I, really. I do. Yeah. No, oh, God. sorry, Andrew. sorry, Andrew. sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, Andrew sat there in his room on holiday wearing his speedos, oh. just so you know, for reference. <laughs> Lovely Cypress. Budgie, yes. The budgie smugglers. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Stand up. Do not stand up, Andy. Thank I will you. not. Don't worry. He, don't he worry. will not. He will not. I don't know if you, you've ever seen thighs fold over the top of Spudgy uh, Smugglers, <laughs> but... <laughs> big, big thighs. It's not a great look. Have you two ever been on holiday together? We have. Well, work. We, we call it work. Work, we, work. It wasn't holiday. It was work. <laughs> it was work. We tell them it's work. It's a paid holiday. Yeah, we went to Miami, uh, but let's just leave it there. But Carol, more importantly, um, I'm sure you listened to the last two weeks' riddles. I solved them. Smashed it. It's been too easy for him, Carol. We need we need some a tougher assignment for him today. This could actually require a calculator. Jim. Oh, my God. Okay, hit me. Okay. But I'm going to give you a countdown on this. I'm going to give you 10 seconds for the answer. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. I th- what do you think, Andy? I think maybe 20 seconds. 20 seconds then. Okay. What is the answer if, you know, on your um, phone and it's got all the numbers on it, and if you multiply all those numbers, so you go like one times two times three times four and so on, all the numbers on your phone pad, what's the answer, Jim? 20 right. seconds. He's going to need so, 20 the, minutes. Okay. You need to, you need to uh, put, start the clock. And say, and start the clock. One times two. What the one times three? 
<laughs> one times two. Every number, Jim. Every number, Jim, like multiplied together. Da 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 What's the answer, Jim? I only got I got seventy-eight. So, Jim, the question is: What number do you get when you multiply all of the numbers on your telephone's number pad? Yeah, and you got seventy-eight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Is it as simple as saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? You don't. You don't actually need your calculator if you think about it. Yeah. How multi- many numbers have you got on there? Ah, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And what? Ah, about, are you sure? About the other number. Ten with a zero. Ten. Yeah. 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 And if you multiply them all. Yeah, yeah. What number do you get? So you got like 100. zero. Well, no. Hundred. So, so you got zero times one. And yeah. Then times two. Yeah. And then times, times three, three. Times four times five times six times seven times eight times nine what do you get jim 89 <laughs> is it i've thought... got it i've got it no, no but i love you anyway oh my word <laughs> i thought i got it i'm trying to work out my nine time table my goodness me genuinely i feel awful because people think that i'm taking the piss and like we're putting it on under pressure Carol Vorderman, the numbers lady of the world, as I'm under, I can't work. How do I work that out? How do I work that out? It's quite simple. So start at the start. So if you write them all out, zero well, times one. Okay. Times and then you, you type one. <laughs> <laughs> zero. <laughs> zero times two. Zero. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My goodness me. Times two, times three, times four, times five, times nine. And the answer is, Jim? Banter. The answer is banter. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Hence why the number came up. My uh, goodness uh, me. Uh, well you know, what I'm going to do, so the millions of people out there, Carol, don't think I'm stupid. I'm going to have to go away and look into all these different kind of number riddles because that one got me but no, i still solved it that. that's called cheating you can't i would never do that i would never ever do that, that. Uh, are, are you still big in india by the way we um, we we are we, massive we are we still big in india i think we t- we dropped off carol i'll be honest since you've not been on the the show the last couple of weeks um brazil no hey no innuendo intended we are big in brazil as well apparently i don't know <laughs> how the brazilians worldwide wide wide actually we'll do a, we'll do a tour of india shall we <laughs> all right thanks carol lovely to see you again carol thank you very much Lots of love. lovely lady great woman great woman yeah lovely lady yeah. anyway lads riddle me this lads riddle me that i'll put my hands up and tie behind me back with my feet and my legs and my ankles i didn't solve it that time hey forget it <laughs> How good was that, though? That was good. I was just about to say, do people come up to you in the street and shout, peel back now? I hear people screaming outside the house shouting it. <laughs> so the kids are like, what, what's that mean? I said, I think they're shouting peanut butter. I, I don't know what they're shouting. Well, the premiership is coming to a conclusion, but the new Pro 14 season got underway at the weekend. So we're going to have a chat now with our Celtic correspondent. John Cooney joins us. How are you, mate? Hello, I rushed out of training there, no kicking practice, so this better be worth it. Oh, mate, don't, hey, 
John, do not say that after what happened last time. There's an apology, mate. But I mean, we had you on the podcast. We were talking up for the Lions and we didn't want to jinx you. Yeah. But, mate, it, what happened? What happened in the last couple of games? I know you were carrying a bit of a, a knock and we don't want to go and bring the tone of the podcast down, but we know how much you love these knockout games and stuff. So let's go back a little bit. How was it for you the last couple of games of the season? I know we know the results, but for you personally. Yeah, um, I, I, I was obviously really disappointed in that final um, not to start the game. And it's probably the worst rugby week I've had in years. Um, I said it was even, I took it even harder than not going to the World Cup, I think. And just the couple of years I'd given, I, just, I felt uh, pretty disappointed not to get started that final after what I'd done. But it is what it is. I, I, it was a weird week. I had like, um, I got two messages on Instagram or Facebook. Or, um, one was just someone saying that they struggle with mental health issues. And, and when they heard my story, um, changed their life. And I just think to get that the week that I was struggling with um, meant a lot to me. Um, and then I just got another message of a, a kid who passed away with cancer. And, and the mum messaged me saying best of luck in the game. So that gave me massive perspective at the end of that week, which kind of snapped me out of that uh, feeling sorry for myself and kind of, and got me back to square one and, and now kind of been back in the team the last few weeks. Yeah, no, you have. Um, let's just talk a little bit about that. And that, that's amazing, the couple of messages that you've got. And I know you're a big advocate around the mental health stuff and you've, you've spoken about it before. And it'd be great to chat about that another time in more detail. But hand on heart, do you blame, do you blame the podcast or not? Because what normally happens, as we said before, you come on the podcast, mate, and the likelihood is, is we thought that you're going to go on to captain the Lions. So do you blame us or not? I was worried you were going to bin me now as your correspondent. I, thought <laughs> I, I was like, maybe gets binned. I'm going to get binned now. So that was the real concern I had. <laughs> no chance. Mate, you're, you're here for life, mate. You are here for life. I'm telling you that now. It, it just really gave me, I understand how fickle sport was. I probably understood a true injury, but um, it really kind of hit home with me how fickle it can be, um, which Sometimes you need um, probably better now at the start of the season. I know it's the end of the season, but uh, it gave me the opportunity now last week to kind of put a line in sand and start again, which is something I kind of wanted to do after those couple of games. So um, I thought I went quite well the last week. So it's good now to be back to new season where I kind of start all over again. Well, that's the big thing, isn't it? Because ordinarily when a season ends, you end then go on a tour with Ireland or sometimes people don't get picked and then you have longer to stew over things, don't you? But the fact that it was only three weeks, what did you get up to in those three weeks? Did you get any headspace at all or was it just training and trying to improve yourself to get ready to go again now? Yeah, it wasn't even, it was like, I think we had four days off and then we're back in training for Treviso. So um, yeah, I, I kind of had a bit of a sore foot going into the Toulouse game. So uh, it's right exactly where I kick at the moment. So I kind of gave myself a week off or so to kind of rest that. Um, so it was good to give myself a few days off and, kind of forget about rugby and it was it was huge for me to be able to kind of restart the season and mentally as I said put the line in the sand and start again and it's just something kind of I wanted to do after those last couple of games at the end of last year just to kind of reset myself and go again because it wasn't a reflection on your performances throughout the season because probably the most important accolade well that I ever wanted was to be named in a dream team that I hadn't named myself and you were named in the Pro 14 dream team of the year is that a thing how was it like were you quite happy to see that I know speaking to Cockers he weren't overly bothered but he would say that I know he is bothered but was that a thing for you no, I, I don't know if that was even I was lucky enough to get the Ulster play of the uh, year last week but I was in the sauna and I come out my mate messaged me tell me I won and my girlfriend didn't even know so I think everything's been kind of an anticlimax during COVID I think and um, it's just kind of taken a lot of the gloss off a lot of things so it's obviously always nice to get small accolades like that um, but I just, at the moment, everything kind of feels a bit different. Were you in the sauna with your girlfriend or your mate's girlfriend, just to clear that up? <laughs> no comments. Or I won't <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the season starts again. 
it was great to see some fans back in the stadium, 600 fans. But how weird was it to have 600 fans in the stadium when, you know, you're used to those stadiums being absolutely rampacked? Yeah, it, it is. But it actually still makes a massive difference. Um, I, I think I completely undervalued. Um, obviously, I knew fans are unbelievably important. But I thought playing games without fans was still going to be uh, reasonably fun. And it's pretty crap, to be honest. I talk because you train like that every day. It would be easy to get up for it and stuff. But it, it definitely did feel a lot different. And you look at the football as well. It's not the same really watching. But um, even having 600 people the other day, it, I don't know, for some reason, it makes a little bit difference um, in terms of the atmosphere. And, and even getting there, it feels more like a home game. Even to play in the Kingspan where we train every day and stuff makes a big difference. Whereas in the Viva, um, sometimes even the home games felt like away games. So it was just nice being back in an environment that you're used to. And was KV one of the 600? Did he manage to get a fans pass in? He was, he? he was in the punditry, I think, for Premier Sports. Oh, shock him. Shock him. Any bit of cash he can make, a couple of hundred. <laughs> of course. Uh, John, uh, some more positive news. Well, it, it might not be. Um, it might be. I, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on it around the, the, the restructure of the league. And again, I keep using this word unprecedented, but it is. We don't really know what's happening. Uh, the Southern Kings and the Cheaters uh, don't seem to be coming back into the comp, but there's talk of the other franchises in South Africa, basically the big ones with Sia Khaleesi coming in. Um, from a player's perspective, it's going to add more travel, but do you think it's going to add a little bit more profile to the league, having some of the superstar players, Peter, Peter Steph de Toy, Sia Khaleesi, ma pimpy as well, coming back <laughs> back up at some point. I mean, surely it's going to add to the profile, but how is it going to be as a player with that travel? Or are you going to be excited to play against these top teams down in South Africa? Yeah, I think it'll be fun, even having the Cheetahs and, and Southern Kings the last couple of years, uh, it's probably some of my favourite weeks with those two weeks last year we got to stay in Cape Town and stuff like that so I think it, it is something to look forward to when we live in this rubbish climate that every now and again you might get to go there in September even sometimes in December so it, I've enjoyed it and they're obviously massive men and people like Sia Khaleesi seems to be the nicest dad ever he's, he, he, he's been messaging me the odd time on Instagram and he seems like such a nice fella so it'd be nice to play these type of people you get to watch obviously they won the World Cup so um, it would be good to play them and I think you would be coming out of those games a little bit sore um, so it would be good to have him involved well can you message him next time and say he's not replied to the last five messages I've sent him <laughs> he's, too, he's too high profile for you guys I'm he's like, gone mate I've got a blue tick and everything mate he's not replied he's, he's with Jay-Z and stuff so no, I don't think he's coming near you Rock Nation mate Jim claimed he was his best mates with him when he met him once in South Africa. So uh... he, t- he did genuinely text me once. He hasn't replied to him, but it could have been, it could be seven messages he's not replied to. Uh, here, I'm, I'm messaging for you, don't worry. Thank you, please. Uh, good stuff. Oh, obviously, looking at the Pro 14 this year, it's going to be weird. In reality, there's 12 teams in it at the minute. Um, what have you set goals-wise for, for you personally and also for the team? Are you, are you looking to say, we've just got to go one further and win it? Um, and yourself with the goals that you personally set yourself? Yeah, I, I, I do think we massively underperformed and I think we got lucky to make that final, obviously. And then in the final, we didn't really... Um, we shot a sh- shot at the first 20 minutes, but I think we kind of um, got completely dominated. So for us, I do think it's it's kind of playing a bit more like our own game. And I think we did a bit more against Treviso. It's probably the best rugby in the first 40 minutes anyway we've played um, in the last six, seven weeks. So... I think it's important with a lot of young players coming through that now we blood a few of them. It was, it was good to see some young lads playing last week because um, you, you see with Leinster with 40, 45 people playing throughout the season and, and, and they go on and win the league. So I think it's important that we, we get those players playing a bit more often and, and keep playing our brand of rugby because we were playing really well before uh, lockdown and as I said, we didn't play as well after it. So I don't think it really helped us as a team. But I think yeah, getting back to those finals and even getting a bit of a taste for it is going to be a big difference um, if we ever do get to there again. 
Because everyone's talking about Leicester, aren't they, Coons? Like they're talking about how good they are, the kind of squad depth, you know, 45, 53 players that they used last season. And the big question is, is why and how are they so good? And again, this is something that's probably going to be spoken about, I think, after this season as well and going forward around the um, the salary cap in the Pro 14 or the Pro 16 or whatever it turns into. But why are Leinster so good? And Dan McFarlane's talk about trying to bridge that gap every time Ulster get better or, you know, Ospreys are better this season is Leinster just get better. Like, how do you try and bridge, bridge that gap with a team that have got such quality? Yeah, that is the tough thing. And I, I do think a lot of it is to to see our younger players getting more game time and even players who aren't young but haven't played enough. And um, it's good to see, like I said last week, Stu Moore playing at 12 and James Hume. They're two young centres getting game time and, and Dave McCann coming on us uh, back row. And these are players who probably in the past we couldn't afford to give game time, seeing as we, we kind of needed every single point we could get. But um, maybe with this season, we might, we might be able to blood a few more of them and, and probably gain more trust in these players that when they get to these bigger games, they're, they're going to perform and they're used to playing because... Uh, we all know what it's like when you get your first few games in professional rugby. It takes quite a while. I was hauled off at halftime in my first ever game. Um, I'll never forget that. So I think it, it takes a while for us all to learn, kind of get used to the game. Jeez, Jim, Jim said his first game, he got man of the match for the under-16s, didn't you, Jim? <laughs> yeah, I probably did. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the questions I want to ask, when we spoke to you uh, at the end of your last season, um, when it was coming into knockout time and everything like that, you, you were kicked out of the leadership group. Have you managed to get yourself back in it now or...? No, you still outside that leadership I think I'm, I'm further away from that as ever, probably. Jeez. <laughs> I was deselected, not kicked out. I didn't do anything wrong. So, Okay, who do we who do we get selection back from? Who's making those picks? Because you've got to get Cooney back in there. I know. I think they just keep my head down, get me to do my bit of work. That's why they So we'll chat a little bit about Ireland. I know it's on the horizon again. The Autumn's Nations Cup. Let's add another word on the end if we want. But it's great that that's going to be up and running. What are the expectations of Ireland, if any? You know, is there any whispers of it, or is it, are people just happy that the Pro 14's back up and running and the Six Nations? I don't even know when them games are, but we've still got them to play yet. Yeah, I think the the good thing was it was all kind of internal games for the first few games. So, um, a lot of people are playing against each other, obviously, to try and make that Irish squad. And um, I think that squad will be out in the next week or so. So, um, we'll be finishing the Six Nations. Uh, we've got Italy um, and France as well. So, I think we need five points in both games to give us an opportunity to to win it. So. I'm um, hoping to get it into that squad, obviously, and I'd, I'd love to get a game against Italy. Um, I know before lockdown, I, I had a good chance of getting a game. So, um, obviously, nothing's a certainty. I don't know whether I will be playing, but um, it's definitely one of my goals is to be straight back in and, and hopefully play in that Italy game. And then, obviously, hopefully do well on that and see what happens in that autumn internationals. All right, John, well, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck getting into that squad uh, for the Six Nations and the Autumn Internationals and uh, best of luck for the rest of the Guinness Pro 14. Thank you very much. Thank Cooney's you. back. All I'm saying is Cooney's back. He's We're on back. that bandwagon. He's back. I feel good about that. Cheers, Coons. I'm in the same France otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Send me location. Send me location. Oh, I'd love to be in the south of France now. I'll tell you that. Great bloke. Good lad. Good lad. Top bloke. Mate, yes. you know what? And I, just going back to his point, and I didn't want to make light of him getting dropped or whatever happened, the situation around him in the semi-final and the final last year. Semi-final, he got taken off at half-time against Edinburgh and then he didn't. He was on the bench for the final and everyone thought he was going to play because he deserved uh, the right to do that. But I thought it was best to ask about that because, mate, I felt bad. I was like, is it to do with the podcast? Was he carrying a bit of a, a niggle? But, mate, he's an honest man, isn't he? Like, yeah, he, he, is. he, say, he, mate, he says it how it is and I love that because, mate, he'd be fucking raging. 
You know what I mean? You'd be yeah. gutted if you if you you know player of the player of the um the season at the club named in the in the Pro 14 Dream Team. I don't care what anyone says. That's a, a massive thing. So it was great that he opened up a little bit about that, and we wish him well for the season. Hopefully, the Ireland squad as well. And it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we uh, everyone gets messages on Instagram, on Twitter, and, and various different things coming in. But those couple of messages that he got that he's happy to talk about, he said he was in a dark place, and it's amazing the impact that one little message that you send to someone can have. You know, a real bearing and a real lift on your own energy. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the couple of messages he got around. You know, other people going through dark times and having a you know, tough moments kind of spurred him to think. Actually, you know, I need to make myself feel a bit better here and and you know step up. and It's great to see how positive he always is and how positive his lid is. I mean, oh, mate, it's his just his never lush, but this never is out of place. He, he cannot veer away. He he can't wait for it to get to number three or four, can he? He's it's either Bick or one. That's it. There, there ain't there ain't no more. There ain't no more. He's every week without fail down at the barbers. No, we love Coons. He's our Pro 14, correspondent. Poor KV. Poor, poor KV. Well, you sat KV. You wanted Cooney, so there we go. <laughs> Matt, I love KV. Right, well, let's finish things off. The good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you by Sons again this week, isn't it, Goody? Yeah, Sons are back, and there's someone who might be featuring in this segment later who could maybe do with some Sons. But it's done wonders for you, hasn't it, Jim? You're looking lush. Mate, you say that every week. I do, because it's true. Well, there you go, mate. Truth, you can't hide. You can't shy away from truth. And that is my truth. I've said before, acceptance is step one. Accountability, what are you going to do, is step two. And then just killing life and smashing life is step three. And that's me. But Sons is in there as well, right? Yeah, well, it's because of Sons. That's the whole point. It's because of Sons that I'm in step three now. Sons is a men's health brand that's helping guys is one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products, preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men too and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes. So visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD. 20 to get 20 quid off your first order that's sons.co.uk and the code is rugbypod20 so go and check them out and show here loss who's boss yeah let's start off with the good and surprisingly we're going to start off in a place that we don't start very often with good we're going to head to france jim where where which bit bayon how good's bayon lovely place lovely, lovely spot but they get a mention of the good this week because they won 26 19 away at stade francais Hell of a win away from home, so big tip of the slipper to them. Then we're going to go to the Guinness Pro 14, James. Where? Which bit? I mentioned for you this week. We're going up to Edinburgh, but not for hashtag always. Hashtag Ospreys, whatever their hashtag is. They won just two of their last 20 games in all competitions last season, but then they went and hammered Edinburgh. Hashtag always. 25-10 away from home in their first game, Jim. What it was hammering. Mate, what was it? my fault, is it? I was there. <laughs> that was it. It was Cocker's pants down around his ankles, bent over and spanked. Much changed Edinburgh team, we should say. Hashtag always-ish. Um, that was about it, mate. Osprey's very good. Alan Wynne-Jones, lovely to see him play in a bit of Pro 14. Absolutely delightful it was. Osprey's fully deserved. Reese Webb, looked good. Stephen Myler, he's older than me and you, I think. Looked very good. Kieran Williams in the centre. Mate, they were good. Very hashtag, good. Hashtag Tipperick. always Osprey's. T- mate, you should be. You've got Tipperick as well and L- Lydia. Hashtag Osprey's, yeah. Yeah, good stuff from them. Uh, they definitely get a mention. Staying in the Pro 14, Ben Healy kicking a monster penalty to win the game with the last kick of the game. Four Munster down at Scarlet's. 
Uh, a brilliant victory for them, but what a set of spuds that was. He'll be rocking into training this week. Will Ben Healy with a massive wheelbarrow to carry those nuts in. Uh, what else was good? We'll go back to the Premiership and we'll talk about three stalwarts of the Premiership. We'll give them all a tip of your slipper, Jim. It's a big, hairy, smelly slipper. Richard Wigglesworth played his 250th and final game for Saracens at the weekend. He holds the Premiership record for the most Premiership appearances. He departs the club after... It's about 25 years of sterling service there. Brad Barrett, we mentioned earlier, uh, his career has come to an end there at Saracens after being a stalwart of that team, the leader, the inspiration behind a lot of their victories. So big shout out to those two guys because whatever has happened at Saracens, those two are immense characters, some real quality blokes off the field and I've put everything into that Saracens jersey over time with a few houses on the side of it, obviously, but always sad to see people like that leave. And then your favourite player, Jim, Chris Robshaw. Chris, a.k.a. Chris? Robshaw. Yeah. 300th and final game for Harlequins at the weekend, winning up at Leicester Tigers. Uh, he's been a brilliant servant to Quinns, so uh, a massive tip of the slipper to him. Hey, he's off to San Diego, though, so I'm, I'm more jealous, I'd say. What else was good? Bristol's. We had Callum Sheedy on earlier. It's only their second season back in the Premiership after being promoted from the Championship. And they're in the playoffs for the first time since 2007. Uh, a brilliant performance by them down at London Irish with quite a few change-up players in there as well. So a bit of a risk from Pat Lamb, but it paid off. They got went to Irish. It was at Quinns, but it was Irish. And they got the win and they're in the playoffs. So a massive shout-out to them. But the good this week, Jim, can only go to one place. It can only go... To one to club. Exeter. To Exeter for top to of the one league. one club, one team. Harlequins for winning. One, bu- <laughs> one bunch of individuals from the mighty Cov. The Gloucester, mighty Cov. 20-0. Oh, no. What you got? <laughs> Wasps finished second in the Premiership. They've won 11 out of their last 12 games to secure the second semi-final. Obviously, Exeter finished first and have a home semi-final. But what a performance from Wasps to smash Exeter. It was a massive change-up team from them. But their form since lockdown, basically it started with putting 60 points on Saracens that Friday night that Jim and I were at the Rico Arena when the world was normal, Jim, hey? Well, yeah, I I was going to say I'm going to be there to watch them in the semi, but as we know, China, I won't be. (laughs) So this week, the good goes to Wasps and specifically players like Malachi Fekitoa, Jimmy Gopeth, and a massive shout out to their head coach, Lee Blackett. And the impact that he's had since he's taken over. So big shout out to Wasp Boys. They get the good. Uh, bad. Well, we mentioned it earlier on the flip side, but Edinburgh. They've got to be in the bad gym. We'll start up in mate, Scootland. It's just, it's just too easy for you, isn't it? It's just Your too team. easy. Mate, a load of, cha- load of changes, mate. It doesn't mean, matter, mate. doesn't matter, mate. Well, then they lost should 20... be in the bad then. Nah, well, they might be. You oh, never they know. Might be. Yeah. They lost 25-10 at home to the Ospreys. Not a great start after losing the semi-final a few weeks ago as well. Uh, not a great start to this season. What else was bad? Bath. They had a 17-3 lead on the hour mark and let it slip against Saracens. Uh, and basically, they've lost their playoff place unless something happens around the sale game being canned or miraculously sailed. Don't beat Worcester. So they'll be pretty disappointed with that. And we'll find out later in the week whether they do make the playoffs or not. Um, what else was bad? Uh, Manu Tuolangi. Again, Jim. We haven't spoken about it, really. Snapped his Achilles. Mate, I can't believe it. Genuinely, I, I can't believe it. That's a big old injury as well. Yeah, and especially the way he plays. Um, you know, that's pretty bad. And, you know, gutted for him as well. But, you know, people did say it when he sort of had the contract issue with Leicester and a stat came out that he played, on average, something like 11 games a year for them. 
he's had big injuries, hasn't he? And it's a real shame. You know, he's going to be out for... Someone was saying it's, they've announced six months, but it's more of a nine-month injury. Yeah, I'm gutted for him. I don't even know what to say. It's, you know, you know the Lions tour coming up. and Let's just hope he gets fit for that because we need him. We do. But the bad this week has to go to the whole mess around the COVID testing, the sales shark situation, and basically Phil Winstanley. And I do feel for Phil Winstanley. He goes on BT Sport, and when you're not used to doing regular interviews, live interviews, you may say the odd thing that's wrong. But he clearly got some of his information wrong. Uh, There was conflicting information out there around what has happened with Northampton sale and the lack of clarity around the rules. So hopefully it gets sorted ASAP and we can actually look forward to the semi-finals. But sale, I know they're desperate to make the playoffs and we don't know for certain the exact details about why they had 19 positive tests. You can't just put statements out there like they did on Friday saying the game's going ahead and again on Saturday blaming Worcester. So unfortunately, we'll chuck Phil Winstanley in there as well. Phil Winstanley and Sale Sharks, you all get the bad because the way that situation's been handled, there's been a shit show. Only really two ugly things I could find this weekend. Um, We'll start off in the Guinness Pro 14 and Peter Omani, Jim. Uh, He was sent off for two yellow cards against the Scarlets. The second one where he drops the shoulder into Jake Ballbag. um, Well... He's lying on the floor after uh, Munster have scored. That looks pretty bad. Um, could have been a red card within itself, but the, the view wasn't that great. But it was worth a yellow, which was his second yellow, which was then a red, which is pretty ugly, isn't it, Jim? Mate, always looks like he's chewing a wasp. Is it? Is our <laughs> Peter O'Mahony a Mahoney? Mahoney? Marnie? Marnie. Um, so that's not, that was ugly, but it doesn't win the ugly because there's one ugly this week. And we haven't mentioned any lids yet, have we, Jim? Well, we mentioned Cooney's because it's always on point. But the ugly, this week, did you see Stuart Townsend's lid for Exeter Chiefs? Mate, do what you want, mate. You're Chief, 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 you're top of the league. <laughs> yeah, he could do with a bit of help from Sons, I'll be honest. Mate, he, he could, he could. <laughs> he could really do with a bit of help from Sons. Well, as I've said, the number one is acceptance. So maybe this will get him to a point of acceptance. There we go. So Stuart Townsend's lid gets the ugly this week. Accept it. Phone up Sons, get yourself a subscription, mention the rugby pod, you get discount, and sort your lid out, son. Stuart Townsend, you get the ugly. Thanks, Goody, and you boys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, it's a bit of a sad one, and sending some positive energy and vibes with this mention to Gaz Banford. He's a warrant officer in the RAF, serving in Scotland, loves his rugby, always a larger-than-life character, can't keep his shirt on for a second after the final whistle, and he's a legend for his ability to sleep anywhere at any time when he's pissed. He was diagnosed with type 4 cancer, and he's really struggling. He's lost a third of his body weight since his diagnosis, and the chemo is really kicking his ass at the minute. But he's a tenacious bastard, and he's still giving fitness tips and posting videos for CrossFit exercises for all the lads to do, and raising loads of money for local children's charity called Abby's Sparkle. It's a big shout out from us all here at the Rugby Pod. Myself, Goody, Andy Rowe and Tim. Stay strong, stay positive and here's us giving as much positivity and love as we can. Yeah, keep fighting the good fight, Gaz. Uh, people love you, so keep going. I've also got a shout out for Finn Omani from Beaconsfield Rugby Club, local to me. Uh, Finn is a 19-year-old who's been recently diagnosed with cancer in his knee. And he needs to have a knee replacement shortly. Uh, he's a great lad. He's played for the club since he was four years old. Uh, and he made his senior debut last season. Um, so all the lads at Beaconsfield Rugby Club and the Beaconsfield area are right behind you, Finn. 
the lads from Beaconsfield have set up a Just Giving page to raise awareness for teenage cancer. And they're asking for the rugby community to join us in the Five for Finn challenge to run, walk or cycle 5k for Finn with all donations going towards teenage cancer. Um, So massive shout out, such sad news for Finn to get diagnosed with knee cancer. And everyone, get out on your bike, get on the walk, get on the run. It's near me, I'm in Gerald's Cross, I'll come and do it. Maybe just the bike actually, I can't run or walk really because my my knees are fucked. Um, But a big shout out to Finn and hopefully you recover soon. Big shout out Finn, I'll do... A five at some point as well for you, buddy. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. Thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby pod, lads. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 